Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me now on the new Fox Sports app or foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. I'm coming out a little late with this one. Actually, way late, for a couple of reasons. One of which you can find on the Fox Sports app, which is my NBA notebook. I talked to various execs and scouts around the league about whether we should believe the dust-up between Isaiah Stewart uh, and LeBron James in Detroit, and the Lakers' subsequent comeback win had lit a fire under the team in general, and Anthony Davis in particular, after his dominating performance in the fourth quarter. Well, we saw the results of that against the Knicks just 48 hours later. If you read the piece, the result didn't come as a surprise. I also had those executives weigh in on whether or not Luke Walton deserved to be fired by the Sacramento Kings earlier this week. Please check the piece out. The second reason this pod is late is that I got the COVID booster shot on Sunday. I was told any side effects would come in the following 24 hours, and it did not disappoint. My reaction wasn't as bad as my original Johnson & Johnson shot, but it made me less than my usual productive self for about 24 hours. I'm back to some semblance of normal now, though, so let's roll. This being Thanksgiving week, I've been thinking a lot about gratitude. First of all, I'm grateful to all of you who have become on-the-ball listeners. There would be no point in doing this without an audience, and... I can't help but smile when I check the download numbers, which have grown steadily, month by month, and far surpassed the following I had with BJ and Buker, or Buker and Friends, the previous iterations of this podcast. I'm also grateful that I continue to have a job doing what I love, especially now that I once more have a regular writing component. I love doing TV and radio, don't mistake that, but at heart, I'm still a writer. And... All that is what brings me to today's topic, which is how any of us are lucky to be able to do what we love. 
That might be as a hobby or for exercise, physical or mental, or if you're really lucky, for your means of living. The pandemic, I believe, has made all of us far more aware of how much our health and well-being is a luck of the draw. The right genes, the right environment, the right doctors and healthcare, hell, the right people around us who aren't going to jeopardize us without our knowing, or maybe without them knowing either. Which brings me to how there are at least a half dozen or near half dozen NBA players who are not happy about where they're playing right now or what they're being asked to do to play. At least one of them, though, is still playing and, by the look of it, playing as hard as he ever has. But the rest are not. Some seem to be perfectly happy to draw a check and watch. And I got to thinking about the distinction between those who are playing and the one who isn't. How we should show some appreciation for the exception. The one who is playing because, well, because that's his job and presumably his passion. I had a long conversation with Warriors coach Steve Kerr about his coaching philosophy a couple weeks ago and how specifically he got the team through having the worst record in the league after five straight seasons of going to the NBA Finals. Anybody who watched the, the Warriors during that season knows that they still played with a surprising amount of motivation and, dare I say, joy. Losing that much is no fun for anyone at any time. But I'd argue it's doubly hard if you're not used to losing much at all. Steve's answer was that he consistently reminded himself and the team, how privileged they were to be paid so handsomely, the life that an NBA salary affords, the ability it gave them to take care of their families, the luxury of flying around the country on private planes, staying in five-star hotels, all to play basketball, a sport none of them could excel at if they didn't, on some level, love it. They were getting to do what they dreamed of doing. That fact, to a certain extent, hasn't been lost on the Houston Rockets' John Wall, one of those who is not playing, who has chosen not to play this season. He hasn't played to this point, and there's a good chance he won't, because he and the team have agreed that he isn't obligated to. He is, however, apparently still traveling with the team, which is a truly curious decision on the part of the Rockets. I get that they're in full tank mode and that Wall not playing facilitates that, but I don't know that I'd want my young, impressionable players to see that you don't have to play to enjoy all the perks of the profession. It's a bad look and sets a terrible precedent, and I'm not sure what it accomplishes. With Wall, there's also the question of how many years he has left. He's an old 30 years old. He has had a habit of putting on weight and getting out of shape and then grinding his way back to peak fitness. It's impressive in a cat with nine lives kind of way, but it doubles the mileage, like driving a truck across 10 miles of rutted terrain in between the 40 miles on a smooth highway. The 10 miles takes its toll on the shocks and suspension that can show up over the other 40 miles. I'm not sure I get the end game for Houston either by sitting him. 
Wall has a player option for another $44 million next season. Is he willing to forgo that just so he can sign with the team of his choice? Is he going to make that money back? Based on what GMs have told me, it's not just the size of his current contract that has discouraged teams from making an offer to the Rockets for him of any kind, since the Rockets would take pretty much whatever they could get. It's not that they were uncertain about his health after missing a season with a torn Achilles. He dispelled those notions with his 40 games last year, averaging 21 points and 9 assists if we're rounding up. It's John's reputation and his personality. Both are big, not in all the best of ways. If the 76ers, with their desperate need for a big, aggressive attacking point guard and a GM and Daryl Morey, actually team president, technically, willing to gamble on stars with big personalities and checkered histories, a.k.a. acquiring Dwight Howard after his first stint with the Lakers when Daryl was with the Rockets, then it's hard to envision a market for John. Boston, if they move on from Dennis Schroeder, I don't think so. And that's it for teams that want to upgrade at point guard and are the type of competitive team Wall hopes to utilize his skills for, as opposed to the Houstons and New Orleans and Orlandos. Even some of the younger, rebuilding, or plain mediocre teams are already set at point guard. OKC with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Charlotte with Lamelo Ball, Detroit with Cade Cunningham, the Kings with De'Aaron Fox, and Tyrese Halliburton. If John doesn't have a landing place, then why not play? and add to those career, career totals, even if it was coming off the bench? Why not give the Hall of Fame selection committee something to think about? And before you bust a gut laughing at the notion of John Wall in the Hall of Fame, just know this. His probability of getting in as of right now, according to basketball reference, is 32%. I was as surprised as you might be to find that out. And if you're thinking, well, that's still pretty low... You know who was two spots behind him in probability, according, again, to basketball reference? Reggie Miller at 31%, who not not only is already in the hall, but was just named one of the top 75 all-time greats. Now, I don't have a problem with the former, but the latter, as I mentioned in an earlier episode on the subject of the top 75, is inexplicable. I'm not all that surprised by most of the other members of the I'm Okay Not Playing Club, which currently includes Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and Marvin Bagley III. The one that surprises me a little is Goran Dragic, who I don't expect you'll see play for the Raptors again this season. Dragic, traded to Toronto as part of the Miami Heat's acquisition of point guard Kyle Lowry, made it clear last summer after the trade that he didn't want to go north. The move took him from a team with title aspirations in one of the league's most tropical locales to one of the coldest places in the league to play for a team that is clearly in the rebuilding process. I'll give him credit for at least showing up and playing a handful of games before shutting it down with what I'm told was the Raptors' blessing. The difference between him and Wall is that this is the last year of Goran's deal at 19 million and although he's a point guard he's capable of playing off the ball as he often did in Miami he also doesn't have a personality that is a threat to a team's chemistry or its hierarchy 
He's played and played well for a number of demanding coaches, Greg Popovich and Eric Spolstra among them. At 35, considering the precedent set by Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, guys in their mid-30s who were put on the shelf until they could be moved, what Dragic and the Raptors are doing isn't egregious. It's calculated. I would expect him to join a team that fancies itself a contender before the trade deadline. But I've already spent far too much time on players who aren't interested in playing for one reason or another, when my inspiration for this episode is the one guy who has, and that is Ricky Rubio. Rubio is also not happy where he is, maybe more understandably than the others, and yet he is playing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ricky is in Cleveland. Ricky is 31 years old. An old 31, seeing as he's been a pro since 14. The Cavaliers are his fourth team in as many seasons, and each team has been a little less talented. Utah, to Phoenix, to Minnesota, and now to Cleveland. Every one of them is a little closer to starting from scratch than the last one. It is an incredibly young roster in Cleveland, with their point guard of the future already in place in Darius Garland. Outside of Kevin Love, who is playing but also doesn't want to be in Cleveland and has had a hard time disguising that fact in his demeanor on the court, this is a team of 20-somethings Rubio has nothing in common with. And I imagine Kevin is no more fun to be around off the court right now than he appears to be on it. Add to all that, the season started with a real logjam at point guard, what with Garland, Rubio, and Colin Sexton, the Cavs' first stab at finding a cornerstone point guard, who they took with the eighth pick in the 2018 draft. Garland, taken with the fifth pick in 2019, is better than Sexton, from what I've seen. And, for what it's worth, I don't have a problem with the Cavs picking two point guards in a row. It's hard to know exactly what you're getting in a college player until you see them against pro competition. If you find out your projected cornerstone isn't good enough to warrant building around, and you see a guy in the next draft that is, I say take him. Especially if you're a team in Cleveland's position. Teams that are rebuilding get in trouble when they build their team by the fill-in-the-blank approach. Acquire the best talent, and then sort it out. Don't talk yourself into, eh, maybe we can make it work, with a player you suspect isn't good enough. If they're not good enough... You already know it. It's like the other team in Cleveland. The Browns know Baker Mayfield isn't good enough. It's why they didn't offer him an extension last summer. There is no logjam now at point guard for the Cavs because Sexton is out with season-ending knee surgery. That means Rubio is being called on to play, which I saw him do against the Brooklyn Nets this week and at various other times during this season. I'll admit, I haven't watched every minute of every Cavs game. But I've watched enough to know that Rubio isn't mailing it in. 
and he didn't against the Nets. 16 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. He also had 4 turnovers because he clearly can't move the way he once could, so the passing lanes have become slivers of daylight. Playing with young players who don't know how to accommodate that and frankly have little motivation to do so for a guy they know is not in the future plans doesn't help either. And yet, Rubio has appeared in every game for the Cavs this season, coming off the bench in all but five. By all appearances, this isn't anything more than Rubio recognizing that whether the Cavs have anything to play for or have him in their plans, and the answer is they don't on both fronts, he has a chance to play the game he loves at the highest level and is richly compensated for doing so. $17 million in this, the last year of his deal. I would not be surprised if he pulled a Marcus Saul and went back to Spain for a farewell tour next season before he called it a day. But in the meantime, he's doing what anyone who takes pride in their career would do. He's showing up and putting in the work and competing. Call me old-fashioned or quaint, but I admire that. I respect it. The highest compliment I've ever been paid and the highest compliment I've ever bestowed in turn is to be called or call someone a pro's pro. I wouldn't say that of John Wall or Ben Simmons or Marvin Bagley or Kyrie Irving. They are many things, but paragons of professionalism is not one of them. I'm not going to make any sweeping pronouncements or try to find some common denominator among the players who aren't playing. I'm not sure there is one, unless it's that they are used to getting their way and doing what they want and having the people in charge look the other way because of their prodigious talent. Ricky Rubio has or had prodigious, prodigious talent and was destined for stardom from the age of 14 when he became the youngest player ever to play in Spain's top league. He made his EuroLeague debut at 16. The difference is that he wasn't given star treatment for all that. No matter how big a basketball player might be overseas, he's a B or maybe C-level celebrity compared to the top soccer players. His dream, Rubio's dream, was to play in the NBA. The same dream Kyrie and Ben and John and Marvin had. It just seems they've forgotten that. They realized the dream, and now they're taking it for granted. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And while this is a holiday week, and I, before I forget, wish you all a happy and healthy Thanksgiving weekend with your loved ones. I am going to attempt to put out at least two more episodes before the week is out. Maybe it gives you something to listen to while you're driving over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house or something like that. I'm going to attempt to do that because I have some family obligations myself. But that's the goal. And being a pro's pro, I'm going to try to show up for you as you have shown up for me. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.